Deeper Dive podcast. The catech- no, not the Catechism of the Catholic Church in the Year. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Deeper Dive podcast produced locally in the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Here at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in La Plata, Maryland. My name is Bill Winnell. Once again, joined by Father Larry Swink. Hey, Bill. And Father Jack Berard. Hey, Bill. Today we're going <clears> to <throat> discuss the resurrection. Why is it so important? Did it really happen? What happens if it didn't? Father Larry. Okay. Okay, so, hey, Bill. So um, when I was in the seminary, um, I I was helping out at a parish, an unknown, unnamed parish. And, um, you know, I had sort of a flashback because I had some seminarians helping me this uh, weekend, and they did it a phenomenal job of helping me with the liturgies. And um, so I'm sitting there all excited. You know, I think it was my first lit- uh, my first uh, tritium as a seminary. And the priest basically said something along the lines is that it really wouldn't matter if uh, Jesus had, like, we found his body because, you know, it's it's the, the essence of being resurrected that counts. And, it's, and he described the resurrection being like a cocoon and the butterfly analogy. And I, I sat there in the pews and I was just like, wow, he just destroyed our Catholic faith in like 45 seconds. And um, so I wanted to, sort, you know, being at Easter week and we're in the octave of Easter is to talk about um, the significance of the resurrection, uh, maybe some, uh, you know, points from the Bible in which uh, we know it's valid, but then what are the implications of the resurrection? So, um Father Jack, have you ever uh, seen these television shows where it usually happens every other year or so where they'll have these episodes where they talk about that they found the bones of Jesus Christ? Have you ever watched an episode on this? I never, I've never watched an episode on I've seen. I know what you're talking about, though. The History Channel is famous for this. Yeah, that nail. Right. Every, yeah. every year, <laughs> every year. And uh, so um, could you tell the folks listening, why would that be such a tragedy? If they did indeed find the bones of Christ, well, yeah, because uh, I, I think I'm, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly where, but even Paul himself admits to it that like, if our if the resurrection is false, then our faith is false, right? Like if if the whole thing's in vain, uh, yeah, it isn't. why? Because it's, said, it's all a matter of truth, yeah. So basically, yeah, the point is, if they found the bones of Christ, everything we teach is false. It's all phony. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 14, but if this, if there is no resurrection, then Christ is not risen again. And if Christ be not risen again, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. You know, like you said, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, nothing, nothing is true. And the, the catechism says something like you just said here. It says all truths, even the most inaccessible to human reasons, find their justification if Christ by his resurrection is given the definitive proof of his divine authority. So every truth that we teach, whether it be the res, the, res, uh, the the Eucharist, the validity of confession through a priest, uh, that contraception is wrong, uh, that marriage between a man and a woman, that, you know, uh, whatever it might be, is that it's from the resurrection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's all true, folks. It's all true. Why Christ is risen. So how would how would um, uh, what would be uh, what would be like some looking at the Bible mm-hmm. some proofs that Jesus has risen from the dead that would be a good argument 
for his skeptics about the resurrection. Well, I mean, I think you have just the fact that all four accounts of scripture do, do make reference or all four accounts of the gospel uh, make reference to it. In addition to the fact of, of Paul uh, and, and several other witnesses. Yeah, how does he refer to himself? Who? Paul. It's some weird, like not abnormal. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember how he refers to himself. As, you, you mean it's like, uh, yeah, not, not, not a super apostle. Right, well, he, but, says but he actually not. uses the, the language is, is strange. Well, it's strange to me. Uh, I'll have to I'll look at what you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah. Um, so I mean, you have you have each of the accounts. Just the fact that all four of them uh, testify to it. I mean, there's some. I mean, there are people who try and doubt Mark's version, but it's kind of trash. Uh, a trash argument if you get down to it. But um, even even though with like as you kind of look at each of their accounts, they they provide a much stronger. Uh, testimony to its truth and you know its veracity then um then then even just the fact that it is these four right because it's not just four men who saw it in in general but you even have the fact that who who the first witnesses to the resurrection as stated by the gospels are actually women right which which is actually an important point right this credibility of of its testimony is that it is mary magdalene and uh, Mary Cleopas and 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 the other Mary, um, and why would that Father Jack? Why would that it, the fact that it was Mary Magdalene, woman? What? Yeah. How does that become sort of more of a, a valid proof of the resurrection? Well, so so basic. I mean, it it hints or it, it, it more than suggests. It, I won't go as far as to say proof as in because we use proof differently in modern than than in the past. But uh, women weren't witnesses in the ancient world, right? right? So they're not writing it mm. down for the sake of hey, you will believe these people because, no, because women didn't work as witnesses. So the fact that the Gospels relay this information or this detail says we're more concerned with truth than what, than what will help us in the world. Um, right. So they, they are telling the story uh, as it happened, not as, um, yeah, not as to please other people, um, which would be okay. what you would do if you were trying to make it up, right? Like if you're trying to make right. this up, Peter is the first one. Right, and that's why Peter's in charge is because he's the first one to the tomb, and he's the one who sees Jesus the first time. None of which is true. Um, it, and he's running; he's they're racing him, and John are racing to the tomb. And obviously, you know, the high school student gets there way before the middle-aged guy hobbling along. And uh, and then John goes into the tomb. And uh, uh, what it uh, the ramifications or the significance of finding the uh, cloth, the bare cloth of Jesus. Uh, uh, folded up, yeah. Father Jack. What would be some significance of that? Well, I mean the the fact that I mean it's you know I always like to point out that you know when we write something we can write as much as we want. You know, paper is nothing to us, right? And uh, and even more so if you're writing a text or or online, it's even cost even less than that. Um, but but paper and ink cost some. I mean, it was it was an investment. In, in the ancient world. And so if you didn't need to write a detail, you didn't write the detail. But they, they were trying to say this is an important detail to show that there was care in what happened, right? Because if you steal the body, right, you're trying to get out of there as, as quick as possible. Please. Right? Please. And, yeah, yeah. And not only that, so, so you're, you know, at best, if it, so if it was a Roman stealing the body, he, he tosses it aside because uh, he doesn't care. And if it's a Jew taking the body, and this is an important fact, is uh, th 
they would have kept the cloth on them, not not for any other reason than they don't want to be unclean. Uh, you know, because you didn't right. touch dead bodies in the Jewish world. Um, and they're also, I was reading a commentary, is that the cloth had very expensive um, mm. minerals in it that they could take out of the cloth that would be worth a lot. So they, most robbers would have taken the cloth also yeah. because, uh, because it would have actually, even though it had blood on it, it would have also had this very expensive uh, ointment and spices on it that they could probably extract from it. So, I mean, that, that was, I, I, I didn't know that until recently, but I think the, there's also the significance of the Jewish understanding of a folded napkin on a table, uh, which is basically an, um, and they're, and they're under, like as Americans, I think, you know, we just take the napkin and we throw it on the plate and that just means we're done with the meal. Um, for a Jewish person, that meant you're coming back. So you say you went to the restroom, you're coming back, the waiter looks at the table, they see everything just scrambled on your plate. They're thinking, oh, he's coming back. But if a Jewish person folded it up, it meant uh, that um, it, um, that you were coming back. And that's, that, that's significant that Jesus had risen from the dead and that he's coming back, I mean, to judge the living and the dead. Mm-hmm. So the Jewish per- people would realize maybe the spiritual significance of that too is that this is saying more than he just resurrected, but he's coming back. You know, so, um, and then piggybacking what you're also saying that 500 people saw him at once. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's also St. Paul or is, is that in the Acts of the Apostles uh, that uh, it says after they appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of them were still living, though some had fallen asleep. Um, yeah. And first, you know, first, and, first Corinthians was what I was thinking of when I was trying to say it. Um, when Paul's recounting this, uh, he says, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. I couldn't remember what right. that Yeah. Abnormally born. What, which, which uh, quote is that, uh, uh, Bill? It's, uh, first Corinthians 15, three to eight. Gotcha. Yeah. And then I was reading somewhere that they, uh, you know, a lot of times in, in modern sort of science or psychological science, that if, some, if three or four people say they saw something, they could look at that as an hallucination. But if 500 people at once said something, there's no way it was just a vision. Mm. Uh, that was hallucination. It actually did happen. Um, I think another proof would be the, the way that the apostles changed uh, dramatically um, after the risen Lord. And it kind of has some implications for us too, is that, uh, you know, they're all hiding and not, you know, in fear, not wanting to see Christ. And then after it's kind of verified that he is indeed risen, they become, you know, these zealous, uh, preachers and really afraid of no one. And, um, I was on that meditation uh, this week with some priests and father, Michael Diascanis was preaching his priest. And he was saying that, um, he made that point. He's like, um, these very timid guys who were afraid of being with Jesus on the cross. He's, and he made the point that only women showed up the cross and John, you know, the young teenager boy uh, and then the women. And he said, thank God for women in the church. <laughs> and the guys just ran for the, for the Hills. And he says, all of a sudden, you know, you look at the acts of the apostles and they're threatening them, threatening them to die, you know, to kill them. If they keep speaking about Jesus and they just make the point, Hey, Jesus is risen from the dead. What are we afraid of? And I, and I think that's a good uh, verification of of the um, the risen Lord. Um, uh, and how did, I guess how would you, Father? How would you say that? What's the uh, how does that kind of uh, translate to the to, to us? Well, I I think 
you know, maybe Father Jack can also you know help me with this. Is that I think it's so much easier to preach Good Friday than Easter Sunday, mm. and the reason I say this, and I uh, and I actually have read uh, you know some blogs by other priests, and they sort of say the same thing is a lot of people can relate to suffering, pain, um, you know, unfinished business struggle, but how many people are really experiencing like this new life? Like they're actually experiencing like Jesus Christ has made a difference in my life and I've had a rebound. Right. I mean that I've actually come back. It's like, and not like just like Tiger Woods coming back and, you know, doing okay, like coming back. And like, if Tiger Woods came back and won the masters, you know, that type of resurrection. And I think uh, we just have, most people haven't really experienced that, but we are supposed to be experiencing um, sort of the fruits of the resurrection Christ is that we're hopeful. Uh, we're, we've seen sin put to death. Uh, we enjoy praying uh, we, it's not just, you know, uh, this, you know, life of just habitual sin, but it actually it's, it's like life is becoming about virtue, you know, habitually doing the right thing, not because of us, but because Christ has risen from the dead. So, and not, um, and not worrying. Yeah. And I, and I think too, it's me. And, and yeah, I mean, obviously concern for sure, but not at the level of, pagan, you know, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, Paul, I mean, it's one of the options for a funeral mass, right? In the second read, I can't, I, and which the reference is escaping me right now, but, um, and Matt Marr has the song, like, really quotes it well. Um, but, oh, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, hell, where's your victory? Right? Like, that that comes not from Good Friday, but from Easter Sunday. Um, that, that the reason that Good Friday, I think, I mean, is easier to preach is because, uh, we we know <laughs> we know the suffering we're enduring and we can kind of express that um but the vi- the victory that comes out of out of our suffering that comes out of the which is the easter sunday portion the resurrection portion is um is itself is, is much more mysterious right um you know and what i mean by that is that we we gain so much more than we could possibly have ever lost even if we lose our life um there is no, there's nothing to, to really be afraid of. Right. And, you know, we, like, yeah, I was gonna say like suffering, you know, f- suffering is a tangible thing that all of us can relate to. Yeah. The, the, the victory you speak of on Easter is more of a, well, it's, it, it's distant and, and, you know, it's, um, you know, it, and it is, you know, in one sense, very much spiritual, but, um, you know, be, for, for us now, because we're, we're, um, only kind of being able to understand it in faith, right? So we're not understanding it via our senses. So it's a knowledge that is uh, on a different plane, literally a metaphysical plane difference um, than than the suffering we can we can express. Um, and so there is that that definitely makes it easier to preach on on one on one aspect. I think, but I think the reality is like you know, yes, we can look to the apostles who change dramatically. Or drastically, I guess is the word, um, from from cowering in fear to uh, being able to preach, which actually isn't just the resurrection; it's also Pentecost uh, that it takes. So they they like got out of the room the first time, but then they went right back there uh, after the ascension of our Lord. Um, but uh, you know, even if we look to 
the you know all of the martyrs, especially in the early church. I mean, what who is it? It's uh oh Saint Ignatius of Antioch who talks about how he is but a grain of wheat, uh, ready to be um, crushed by the mouth of a lion. You know, uh, is it Clement of Rome who I think you know basically rebukes his followers to say, "Do not stand in the way of this death." You know, uh, Cyprian who uh, is given his his death sentence and responds, thanks be to God, right? Like, like all of they, and, and, and all the female martyrs that are listed in the Roman canon, they all understood the same reality that like, go for it. You're killing this body that is uh, holding me back from, from guess, something greater. Father Jack, so, you know, on that line, that's an interesting point. Give me, you know, you were in Rome. Which Roman martyr sort of exemplified, you know, and you're... Um, from your perspective, this hope of the resurrection, you're like, wow, Christ has to be risen if you went through that. Oh, um, wow. I mean, there, there's so many good, I mean, that's the problem is all of them are really great. Uh, I mean, I love St. Cyprian. I've talked about that. I've talked about that a lot because I think, uh, I mean, I just think his response is so strong, right? Thanks be to God. I mean, St. Lawrence, though, is another great example, right? Uh, Roman deacon, you know, uh, who as he turned me over? Yes, he was being burned alive. Said, "I'm done on this side. Flip me over, right?" Which um, maybe he didn't really say it, but you know, it's if it's not, it should be. Uh, if it's not true, it should be. Uh, the, but like the idea of it is that like the reason they're so strong is because it's not just like okay, a like stoic acceptance of what's happening. Like I don't care what's going on. It's an active love of or or an active movement towards death um, in a. In a, in in a without losing love of or um, rejecting the blessings that, that God is bestowing upon us in this life, but rather just recognizing the proper order of things, which is the life in the world to come is so much better that there is nothing uh, that makes makes it worthwhile. Um, one of one of Paul's examples, again, I can't remember the reference, but um, where he talks about a woman in labor, right? He says mm. when a, when a woman is in labor. Uh, she was in the greatest of pain, but once the baby comes, she forgets all about it, which uh, I'm not 100% sure that's, you know, you know, a perfect analogy. But at the same time, um, you know, there, there's, some tr- there's a lot of truth to that. You know, women are, are willing to go through a lot of pain because they know the joy that comes out of it. Um, there's hope. That there's there, hope. Yeah, that there is hope. And so we're, we're kind of the same way. Uh, you know, it's an analogy, so it's always imperfect. I get that. Um, but that, yes, we, we sh- we're going to have struggles, but the joy comes out of it in the end to the point where there is a great release. Um, right. Is it fair to call, to call it almost, it's, it's, it's pro- the answer probably no, but is it, yeah. is it fair to call it almost a litmus test of your faith as to where you are, is to, is to whether, you know, you are, at that point of your your faith where, you know, whether it's bad news, it's, you know, and you're like, well, so be it. Or accepting, you know, kind of, kind of like the, um, what we were just talking about, you know, we can all, um, do we really believe what we say we believe about the resurrection? I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Well, ba- I think it's bad news is not necessarily bad news for us. That bad right. news well, it ultimately, ultimately is going to lead to good news. And right, but that, we... It, that's where yeah, we the, should be. Yeah, and that's the test. I think yeah. the test is is like when we get quote unquote bad news, 
were able to see the resurrection behind it. And, uh, you know, one, one woman that came to mind that we're all familiar with is Maureen Jacobs. And, uh, you know, like the way she died, um, I think myself and Father Jack both had the opportunity of anointing her. And I was blown away about how serene and just like, you know, she's like, yeah, I'm going to die. And like, you know, I'm really to see the Lord. I just, you know, I feel bad that I don't leave them behind, but you know, I, I can't wait to see the blessed mother. And, you know, I love Jesus. And it was just this very, mm. it was, it was so, I, I think she was comforting more me than I was comforting her, you know, did she really did believe that this was not the end and this death from cancer was just sort of the beginning of a new life. And I, I was, I remember both times or three times I left her house. I just was in awe about the hope that she gave me by her witness to Jesus Christ and his resurrection, by how she approached her imminent death. And um, I mean, that's, that's like living proof of the resurrection that, that someone just was so strongly uh, and anyone who know, knew her would, you know, she was mass every day and just praying all the time. And, you know, I mean, she'd always, you know, bring, ask her, ask her, pray for her. And, but she was always sort of optimistic, you know, I think that's another thing is, you know, optimism is something that's really lacking in our culture and even among Christians and Catholics. That was another topic that came up with us as uh, one of the um, priests talked about optimism and uh, sort of put it out there. How optimistic are we as priests? Because, I mean, if we're not if we're not optimistic, we're not hopeful, then our people are not going to be hopeful. Hmm. You know, and I, I was really struck by that. It's like it's true. You know, I mean, it's like we're supposed to be witness of the resurrection and we as Catholics are not you know, hopeful about, about things and how is the rest of the world going to be, you know? So, or, or our kids or our friends or. Right. Right. Well, I'll just uh, close with one, one, uh, one quote by St. John Chrysostom, you know, and uh, as we meditate uh, briefly on the resurrection and um, St. John Chrysostom, he he talks about, you know, how the first 12 apostles, how they uh, went from, being sort of these timid uh, men to these powerful um, witnesses of the resurrection. And he says, how could 12 uneducated men who live lives on lakes and rivers and wastelands get the idea for such an immense enterprise of spreading the gospel worldwide? How could men who perhaps had never been in a city or public square think of setting out to do battle with the whole world? That they were fearful, timid men, the evangelist makes clear. He did not reject the fact or try to hide their weaknesses. Indeed, he turned these into proof of the truth. What did he say to them? That when Christ was arrested, they fled, despite all the miracles they had seen, while he, who was leader of the others, denied him. And uh, he goes, and what did they get? Uh, and these these te- these apostles then turned around and became powerful witnesses to the res- to the resurrected Lord. You know, so you know the proof I think uh, of the resurrection is in our lives. And so, you know, in this time we should. Have hope, never despair, and know that Christ is risen. Uh, Father Jack, a blessing? Sure. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Made heaven, heaven. Made heaven and earth. Lord, through your resurrection, you prove to us that we have hope that never fails, that we have a Savior who never dies. We ask that through its power, we may always know your love, serve it, and be testified to it. May the blessing mighty God come down upon you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.